After our last episode featuring Michael Turpin, the entrepreneur who had a cell phone SIM card jacked and subsequently lost $24 million in crypto, we thought it would be important to understand which cell phone carriers were the least and most secure. Today, we welcome Oz Sultan back to the show, an expert well-versed in counterterrorism, social media, and big data. Oz will explain why some carriers are crypto theft heaven and others are more secure. We'll even rank the major U.S. carriers from worst to best. Think your phone is safe? You may be wrong. Find out today on episode number 236 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast, the show for the musically challenged. And that's like, I was a DJ, Travis, because I was never a really good musician. That's what Mm -hmm. DJs are. Now, I'm not talking about like Tiesto or, you know, these other guys that make music with their DJ. I'm talking about just playing records. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like, you know, I was one as well at, at um, in a country music station when I was 13 and 14. I think I, I finished when I was 15. Just too much country music. I couldn't handle anymore. And, um, you know, it is. It's, well, it, I want to I want to hear I want to hear your country music, uh, you know, like announce something. You know, what station yeah. am I listening to? Yeah, go ahead. You're listening to the KMAM, KMOE, and Butler. Next up, we have, um, let me see here, what's the name of the song? Oh, we have, um, let me pick one of the ones that I liked. Oh, next up, we have Neil Diamond, Forever in Blue Jeans. Nice. Mine was Rock 107 WPGU Urbana Champagne's Classic Rock. Next up, The Police Don't Stand So Close to Me. Very nice. I was only (laughs) 13 or 14, so it was really hard for me. So it's probably more like, Welcome to KMAM, KMOE, and Butler. This is, you're listening to the best country music in Butler, Missouri. <laughs> Got a great show today as a follow-up to the Michael Turpin theft, uh, crypto theft show. Oz Sultan's going to be with us. But first, we want to give a shout-out to a couple of our sponsors. Mr. Travis Wright, tell us about Coin Payments. Yes, CoinPayments.net. They are the first to support stable coin payment processing. So what's cool about that is you can do a transaction and immediately convert that transaction from a crypto into a stable coin. That's going to help you avoid all of that volatility. Uh, you can accept payments directly into stable coins, so you don't have to leave the realm of crypto and go into banks. Uh, there's a USD, uh, USD pegged stable coin. Hold on, let me say that again. US dollar pegged stable coins supported for payments uh, include USDT, which is Tether, USDC, USD coin, and GUSD, the Gemini dollar, and TUSD, which is true USD. Check it out, check it out, coinpayments.net. I thought that TUSD was the Travis US dollar. Well, that hasn't been that hasn't been invented. That's going to be the TWUSD and the BUSD, which is the bad dollar, <laughs> which yes. is pegged to point zero 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 one mm-hmm. cents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's it's very stable at that amount, though. That is true. That's true. But you need millions of them to earn a dollar. 
gajillions. And also a shout out to Loyak, our loyal sponsor, L-O-Y-A-K-K, enabling enterprise businesses to securely collaborate and share data with their partners, which helps result in better security, efficiency, and governance using the blockchain. They actually have built the world's first tokenized data container, which secures business interactions and transactions. So it enables enterprises to collaborate, share data with partners, improve security, improve governance, all this good stuff. The problem is enterprises lose billions of dollars working with partners within their business networks. I mean, you've got data breach, IP theft, data reconciliation issues. Um, you've got bloated processes. You've got contract disputes. Loyak is solving these problems and in the process, helping enterprises save costs and accelerate revenues. Go to loyak.io, L-O-Y-A-K-K dot I-O. I think I just wrote him a jingle. Well, please do check out our sponsors and check out today's interview with Oz Sultan. You're not going to want to miss a bit of this. You're going to want to find out if your cell phone carrier is safe. Another day, another hack. Somewhere, somebody right now is having their cell phone SIM card swapped out and are at risk for losing their crypto. And of course, those of you who have been listening to the show for some time know that that happened to Mr. Travis Wright, didn't it? That did. That did happen once upon a time. But then I learned to not have my phone carrier as (laughs) T-Mobile. And so I moved. (laughs) Problem solved. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, we have with us a repeat guest, a friend of the show. Oh, a repeat offender. Yeah, he's going to speak to us about the cell carriers. We're going to talk a little bit about Mr. Michael Turpin and the $24 million crypto hack that he had. Of course, that was on the last episode. If you guys missed that, go back and listen and uh, talk a little bit about keeping crypto secure. Mr. Oz Sultan, welcome back to the Republic of Bad Cryptopia. Thank you, Republic of Cryptopia. It's lovely to hear again. <laughs> it's not the Republic of Cryptopia. It's the Republic of Bad Cryptopia. We are a hard fork from the Republic of Cryptopia. As opposed to the Bad Republic of Cryptopia. That, yeah, they're another fork. Screw those guys. Cryptopia got hacked. We don't talk about them. Yeah, they're, they're Satoshi's vision or something. We don't. Yeah, that's not yeah. us. <laughs> so, hey, Oz, why don't you uh, start us out by telling us a little bit about your history in telco? Because we discovered in an offline conversation that you've got a background there. Yeah. So, I, I mean, what had happened was, I guess, it was, this was the late 80s, early 90s. So sort of, you know, around the time 21 Jump Street was popular. I was in high school and getting out of high school and decided it was going to college. And 1991, I was like, well, I want a cell phone. And so back then, we had regional cell carriers and regional bell companies. Um, so there's a company called Cellular One, which was subsequently acquired by a Bellco, then acquired by AT&T, and is now AT&T. But uh, I ended up uh, actually going and working for um, a company called ATI, which was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I was your local phone rep. Right. You know, I could sell cell phones. But what that allowed me to do was that allowed me to get one of their dealer plans, which was basically, you know, $20 a month for two hours or $40 a month for four hours. So, you know, back then you had like a 17 year old running around with a cell phone going to, to college classes and people staring at me like, what the, how the hell did you get that? Drug um, dealer. Drug dealer. You know, I mean, that was that was the, it was more of it was pagers before that. Right. right, right. Because. 
because anyone with a pager was a drug dealer. But, you know, I, I hung out with like a lot of, of like, I don't know, like digital underground people back then. And so it was just kind of a cool thing to have. Um, and it was also like, you know, you're on the go anywhere. You can find people, talk to people, that sort of thing. And it made you a lot more popular. But, um, you know, I, I worked with with Cell One for probably about two years. And then after work, I, uh, you know, had done some consulting work with a couple of pager companies and had also done some consulting work on, you know, some backbone stuff with uh, ATM, which stands for asynchronous transfer uh, mode and not, uh, you know, automatic teller machine. But that's back when, you know, when they're putting backbone switches up and things like that. And, you know, what's kind of interesting is from then to now, uh, we've gone through varying degrees of security in terms of cell phones. Like you guys know that I focus on two things right now, which is crypto and cybersecurity. And on the cyber side of things, it's just really kind of uh, just crazy because I've always had um, either Nextel or Sprint um, in terms of, you know, who my carrier has been. One is because Nextel always had like ridiculous coverage in, you know, rural areas. And there was a point in time after the dot-com implosion in 2001 where I ended up, as I I like to say, I got uh, exported to Albany. But, uh, you know, I was up there for about two, three years. And I mean, half of that is just, yeah, it's rural. You you end up with like corn growing next to houses and inside of, you know, suburban communities that are just sleepy. But you just don't have regular cell coverage. Like AT&T didn't have really good coverage out there until probably about 2005. And we're talking 2001, 2002. So, you know, the Nextel phones utilized a SIM chip, but they were pretty difficult to hack because that technology had... Qualcomm technology on top of it. Um, and the Qualcomm technology is an integrated chipset that's inside of pretty much all of the Sprint phones today because it's required to work on their network. However, what this has done is for a good portion of their phones, it makes them a lot more secure than phones that you have on AT&T um, and T-Mobile specifically. Verizon's kind of okay. Um, but this goes into the whole Michael Turpin issue, right? So what happened to Michael? Michael had some mid-20s phone freaker uh, basically go and contact contact his carrier, uh, which I believe was, it was T-Mobile, right? Uh, he had AT&T. Okay, so he had, sorry, he did have AT&T. So AT&T, T-Mobile, kind of same level of security problems. They, they did two things here that are kind of interesting. One is that they socially engineered themselves through AT&T's, you know, I need your password, I need this, I need that. Two is that they managed to SIM swap the phone. And so what that means is they called and they said, hey, I've damaged the handset. I'm moving it onto this new SIM card and I need you to transfer the the phone number and all accreditation to that phone number to the SIM card. And so when that happened, what happened was, you know, uh, Turpin's phone went dead and the guy cloned his phone and basically had access to anything on his phone. And so he utilized that and the access of, you know, his email and and practically everything else to basically go and steal $24 million worth of crypto from Turpin's accounts. Wow. Um, And and mind you, this isn't just just a Turpin, you know, there's, um, there's a lot of our colleagues who are notable speakers inside of uh, the crypto community um, names that I don't want to mention just because I'm not sure if they made this stuff public, but they've all taken hits upwards of 10 million bucks. And then you had, you know, you've had that one speaker, um, he'd, I forget his name now, uh, African-American dude, who apparently was hacked while he was... Ian Bolina. 
years. Yeah, he was he was hacked uh, or supposedly hacked while he was on on his his own podcast, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so the the challenge that we're faced with the the telecom industry, I think, is threefold. One is the fact that they're just garbage in terms of rolling out, you know, next generation high speed bandwidth and connectivity. Like well, I can give you an example, Verizon in New York uh, was supposed to run high-speed fiber to buildings. And what they did was they ran it to the sidewalk and they said, hey, we did our job. And I'm like, well, it's not connected. Like, I can't use it. You know, that last little mile there is $80,000 a building. You didn't do it. And they've recently been sued by the state of New York. And, you know, the same thing happened to Comcast. Um, But when it comes to, you know, the overall provisioning of, of cell service, uh, the problem really comes to a security perspective. One is that, if you don't have, if you have a personal cell phone account, they typically have only one or two challenge phrases. There's no two-factor authentication for most of these service providers, right? There's, and, and I'll tell you, Miko Matsumura was one of the first guys that kind of drove, you know, some sort of 2FA with T-Mobile, given the fact that, you know, he had had a, sim, a somewhat similar problem about two, three years ago. But right now, there's, there's two levels of challenge. One is is that there's the people who can go in and do the social engineering and they can SIM swap your phone. The others, and this is the more complicated heists, are, and this is predominantly more overseas, but it's, it's coming here, is where someone goes to the cell carrier and they sign up as a reseller. And so signing up as a reseller means that you have access to cell phones, program SIMs, do all this kind of stuff. And wait, wait, can, those- can, can anybody do that? If you have a tax ID number, uh, a clean credit history, and you can pass some, you know, general background checks by them, yeah, you can do that. And in a lot of cases now, the challenges that we have is, is you know, it's tiered fraud. So if you think back to the Equifax hack of you know last year that everyone seems to have forgotten, 130 million full IDs were taken. Okay, and then the Marriott hack that was only two months ago. Inside of the Marriott hack, and I published about this on the Hill, they took people's passport numbers, pictures of the passports, as well as other identifying um, cards. You know, so it could be driver's license, it could be some you know international ID, something like that. But there's enough information in these hacks that you could go and clone. You could basically lie and get someone's ID or open an account in their name. And so, you know, as a personal user of crypto, what I strongly advocate to people is one, you know, if you're going to use a, a soft wallet for just simple access, because I have a couple hundred bucks worth of crypto on my phone at all times, because, you know, we, we end up places and it's like, oh, you want to pay for dinner and crypto? Fine. You know, or, uh, oh, I want to buy this thing. Fine. But I don't keep more of that than that on there. Um, if you're going to have a soft wallet attached to an exchange or a hot wallet that's on an exchange, yeah, any of any of the telephony devices that you have, whether that's an iPad, an iPhone, or an Android device, you, you have those things securitized, right? Meaning that, you know, if you have a Coinbase account or a Gemini account or a GBX or a Poloniex account or anything else, um, you you only keep a small amount in there. If you have one of these software wallets on your phone, that you only maintain a small amount of crypto in there for things that you you absolutely need. What I strongly advise to everyone is that if you're going to have access to, you know, your your larger crypto accounts, make sure you put that on a piece of hardware, right? Put it on a, a ledger wallet. Go find yourself one of these. You know, there's there's a new generation of luxury crypto wallets coming out. 
but just make sure that you know they're not luxury in the sense they're made out of platinum they're they're luxury in the sense that they have like decent uh cryptography on there i like the um, way he said that luxury wallet travis ray do you have a luxury wallet well have you seen these things man they're like it's like 1500 dollars. like wallet. like which one name a brand Oh God! I, I just saw one the other day. I can't remember the name, but it's like it's like it's like the vert. I was like looking at this, and I'm like, oh, we have the Virtu of wallets now, because it's like it's gold or platinum. And I'm like, you know, if you, and when I think about a wallet, I'm thinking about either a USB stick or something larger that has a touch screen to it that we're using for like a family office or a business, right? I'm not thinking about like some weird luxury wallet that I then still have to plug into my computer and use a digital interface for you. Should, there's simplicity factors here. We're going to um, have to drop this article into the, uh, the show notes here. Cause I just uh, used the duck duck goes to find this story on cryptonews.com. Luxury watchmakers offer cold crypto wallet with their new timepiece. The watchmaker is a farve and feel feel. Yep. F-I-L-S, and their wallet is, uh, it's a watch, a crypto mechanical watch. It's going to cost around 100,000 to 150,000 Swiss francs or the equivalent in crypto. What does that come out to? And that's about, I think that's about 100,000 bucks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right then. There's your luxury wallet, Travis. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a couple of them Very out nice. there. And I just, I just think it's, and look, it's, you can have your luxury wallet, but that's not going to stop someone with a knife from taking your luxury wallet off your luxury wrist. Okay. Right. You know, that's the stupidity <laughs> I see in these things. Although, although it says here, the new timepiece will have many safety features incorporated into it in case the watch is lost stolen or destroyed which the company is keeping secret for the time being well let's let's go back to the same problem that we had two years ago before this michael turpin hack uh what if i hold you at gunpoint and ask you to transfer me your crypto remember how many times that happened and that was in the news mm -hmm. i don't care what your luxury watch is if you, i hold you at gunpoint you're going to luxury transfer me your luxury crypto and i'm going to luxury leave you know um, Sultan, don't, luxury, don't luxury leaving me. This is the big risk factor of our industries is, is that like, look, we're, this is the 1850s. Okay. You were responsible for the, the, the safety of your bank. And if the, the bank gets yeah. robbed, you're screwed. I mean, that's your custodian per se. Yeah, Jesse and, James would get on a train and take your luxury crypto real easy with his gun and his, and his posse, huh? Yep, and then your luxury is gone. You're traveling, yeah. not business class. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's the big challenge today. The big challenge is that, one, um, if you're not safeguarding this stuff inside of some sort of hard wallet, you can, be, you can be robbed. Two is that if you're not using a basic protocol, it's like put, it, put the hard wallet in a safety deposit box, take your private keys and then the recovery phrase and put that in another safety deposit box in another place. And you may not want to use a bank. You may want to use, you know, some sort of private wealth management place because the banks get broken into and, and even worse. I've seen this happen a couple of times. They get sold and without telling people, they just think that the insurance risk, you know, of, of liquidating the, the safety deposit boxes will, will cover uh, anything really important in there. And, and something stupid happens. So, you know, you, you, one, you need to think about this like you're in the 1850s. Like, you're, this is the Wild West. You're a cowboy or a cowgirl uh, or, or a non-denominational or, or non, non cow person. 
Um, and <laughs> <laughs> well, partner, I reckon you got some of that there Bitcoin on your luxury watch. Zer. Zer. <laughs> I have a, I have a question about about the networks in general, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't know if this is just uh, happenstance or if this is just part of the problem. Because you know Verizon and Sprint, they both run off of CDMA technology. Correct. Uh, but Verizon devices won't work very well with Sprint phones, and so those are not. They really don't easy. work because because yeah. Sprint Sprint is the only one that still maintains the Qualcomm chipset licensure which means mm-hmm. that, that the iPhones, the uh, Android phones, all of the phones that are in Sprint are completely different phones. The Blackberries are completely, it's a mi- different manufactured device. And that's why I like Sprint, because I'll tell you two things. One, um, set up a business account. And actually, the, the trickiest way to do this is set up, if you really want to be crazy secure with this, set up a business just for managing your, your crypto assets. Set up a, a corporate account for your phones that's in the secondary business, which no one's going to go and, and chase you for. And in most states like New York, they can't go and look up the directors of the company and, and just operate a business account. Because I'm going to tell you something, the personal accounts, because people do so much stupid stuff to lose access to things, they're easy to socially engineer. It's easy to call up and pretend to be Mrs. Turpin and, and you know negotiate your way into accessing this and swapping the SIM out because people are people are inherently thinking that no one is malicious in doing these things, but on it's a corporate me, it's me, Mrs. Turpin. I'd like to have access to my husband's account, please. <laughs> well, Mrs. Turpin, <laughs> I will need your your secret passcode or the name of your first pet. It's tur- it's turpentine. Um, <laughs> now, now does that does that have anything to do with like is it because I noticed that I'm on a group in Facebook. I got hacked, right? I had T-Mobile mm-hmm. and T-Mobile and AT and T run off of GSM technology and those carriers are very compatible with one another they're basically the same devices if you want to switch carriers it's not a problem is that is that part of the problem with them being so easy to sim card swap being on the gsm network because i know it's, it's a lot harder on sprint and verizon to- it's it's it's, it's the same pr- it's the same it's 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 not only easier it's not only a risk factor it's the same problem we have with people sending money to isis okay because most of those sims you can do a variety of things. You can swap a device, you can load money on them, um, or you can transfer money to them, right? And and I think these are the three crimes of our time. One is terrorist financing by loading money in Sims. Two is is the theft of personal and corporate monies through Sim swaps. And then the third that you're dealing with is this global GSM problem where people can either spoof um, or bypass or social engineer or maliciously get access to your devices and once they have access to that device it's a free-for-all because you know they they now can do the two-factor authorization in most cases like most people don't keep multiple phones for their 2fa um if you really want to be safe you know have a secondary phone that you use for your 2fa on all your devices Mm -hmm. but but what most people do is this it's that they have they have an iphone they have an android phone they have a samsung um, the 2FA just passes through. So now what, what they're able to do is they 2FA back into resetting the password on your email account. They 2FA into resetting access to your bank account. They 2FA in resetting access to your crypto accounts. And all of a sudden your stuff's gone. Mm-hmm. It was such a pain in the ass too, because that literally happened to me right before I was getting on a plane to Berlin. And so I had to handle all this stuff while I'm at 30,000 feet 
Luckily, I had I, I got internet connection on that. But man, mm-hmm. it was such a nightmare to try to deal with all of that stuff while in the air. And then here they are. They're they're hacking your Twitter account. They hacked my my Apple ID. They hacked uh, two of my email accounts. They tried to get into Coinbase, but I didn't have any money in Coinbase, even if they had have hacked that. Plus, now now they're in my they're in my Apple. But once they logged into my Apple ID and I logged back in, I got control of it. I could literally see where their phone was. And it was it was in Illinois. Mm-hmm. I know exactly where the dude lives. His name's Justin's iPhone, and there he is. There's his address, and I can go knock on his door. And I was like, man, you know what? If I wasn't on a flight to Berlin, I might be making a drive over there to Illinois and knock on the dude's door. No, oh, yeah, bring some good old boys with you and go yeah. knock on his door. It yeah, didn't yeah. take that much, fortunately. Travis just called him out on social, uh, doxed him, and uh, told him to apologize and call him King Daddy. And uh, and he got. Are you sure that didn't just happen in D.C.? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Oz, the primary carriers, you know, we've got T-Mobile, AT&T, Sprint, and Verizon. Rank them in order of what you think is the least secure to the most secure. Least secure is obviously T-Mobile for two reasons. It's GSM. They operate on least networks, and they are the easiest to socially engineer. Um, and that I know from having actually done pen tests. Uh, the second least secure is AT&T. And it's just because AT&T, AT&T cares really doesn't care. And the, reason, the reason they don't care is because they're going after the corporate clients. They're going after large clients. The personal accounts really are meaningless to them and your losses are meaningless to them. They also are carrying you know, enough uh, cybersecurity insurance so that when things like this happen, they just hand it over to legal. They're not really that concerned with it. I'll tell you that in the Turpin case, they're going to take a 24 million ding, okay? Because I don't think any cybersecurity insurance is going to pay out for this. And AT&T was completely complicit in the hacking of Michael Turpin. But again, they don't care. Um, The third least secure, I would say, is Verizon. And the most secure is Sprint. But what we also have to consider is there's regional carriers uh, to keep in mind that also have you know challenges and, and benefits. Cricket is less secure. Metro PCS, which operates on the Sprint network and has some of the Qualcomm chipsets, is more secure, right? And we also have to keep in mind, you know, there's 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 three different tiers of Americans in terms of what they can afford, because the, then also below that you have like consumer cellular, like in um, cricket, cricket, right? And those no things. consumer cellular is below Cricket. Okay. Right, that's a third tier carrier because it's it's all fully leased. So consumer cellular is actually more secure than 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 T-Mobile, but it's only because the phones that they have are like are, are, are archaic. I mean, mm-hmm. you can you can get a jitterbug on consumer cellular. You, you can't get one of those on Sprint. Now this, um, now this is for our American audience. Are, are you have insights into like? You know, other countries like UK, because, they, you know, they have O2 and Vodafone. And- yeah, yeah. Vodafone, Orange, O2, all of these GSM carriers have the same degree of risk that is posed by T-Mobile. T-Mobile Global has the same amount of risk. Mm. Um, the only way that you can actually reduce your risk exposure with these these companies is to physically call them up, to physically either get um, executive, uh, there, there's like an executive customer service on or get a service, uh, a supervisor and have them physically put 
two-factor on your phone. But they won't they, do that. Like, they won't all do that. T-Mobile won't do that, will they? You have to request it. It's, it's not something they normally do for people because it's a pain in the neck. For, I mean, if everyone who was listening to this podcast called T-Mobile tomorrow and started requesting this, they'd figure out a way to charge for it, right? Because it's, it's painful for them because it requires actual interaction with a customer service agent every time you have to do something. So all these automated systems that they keep pushing on us to reduce their overhead uh, and expense exposure for having customer service in place don't work. You know, so that's one of your biggest challenges. Uh, the second challenge I would say internationally is that if this does happen to you, you may actually be screwed because it can happen over state lines. Like here or across state lines, you're still within the United States, you know, and as Travis said, I can still drive to someone's house and, you know, we can have, we can have words and we can do it letter Kenny style. Um, but on, on the, the opposite side of this, what, uh, what I've seen happen in many cases and what's been reported online is that, you know, you have a UK phone, someone clones it, moves it to Germany, you're screwed. You have a, a Dutch phone, someone moves it to Belgium, moves it to France. You, you don't have a lot of recourse in these cases. And the amount of time that can be required working with each one of these carriers to resolve your issue, you know, it's taken Turpin, what, two years? Yeah. Right. Yeah. A year and a half, maybe. So no, no, no. He got hacked, I believe, in January of 2018. Is when he got hacked. Well, okay. So it's, it's a year and a half. It's a year and a half. But he's also spent, you know, an ungodly amount of of legal on this. I mean, imagine if it's just you know your Joe Schmo or you know Gunter Schmo uh, if you're in Germany and uh... <laughs> Gunter Schmo. <laughs> what well, as long as we're being, you know using words for different races who would what would the name be if you were in china oh it, it would it would definitely be like uh lee like, schmo uh, no no it would be, it would be probably schmo lee schmo Lu. holy schmo Lu. well no no schmo schmo would be the nickname i think and then there would be a longer chinese name uh you're not right in the head mr joe Kong, but that's okay <laughs> No, but, but I mean, like, look, I, I've, I've hired, I've hired a ton of Chinese and Indian and South Asian developers and like the number of people where it's like, I'm like, how do I pronounce your name? They're like, just call me X. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, it's a relatively long name you have there. But, you know, this is kind of the, the challenge that we have with, with, with kind of the global workforce now um, and the amusing things that come from that. But, but that sort of aside, this is going to become a bigger problem when we move to 5G. Um, and it's going to become a bigger problem because we're still going to have a mixture of GSM and CDMA reverse compatibility with a lot of these carriers because not everyone's going to go and get a 5G phone. You know, right now, not everyone's going out and buying a $1,200 iPhone. And you have, you know, uh, Apple's, uh, Apple's CEO literally blaming consumers for their losses and saying like, well, they should just be upgrading. Yeah, you know, people don't necessarily realize that they want that. And the other thing too is that when you start taking away feature functionality, like my headset and a button that helps me do my job, uh, you're making my life harder. You know, and, and that's how a lot of people feel. But I will tell you that the as long as there's the the Qualcomm integration of chipsets, and there's two countries that this this is really in. It's it's in China, and it's in America where you can get these phones. You're a little bit more secure with the carriers that that provide that simply because it's not as easy to just SIM swap a phone. Now, these phones do accept SIMs, but oftentimes that's if you're going in a global mobility plan and those types of things. But, but I would say then that's our secondary concern because most of the people in crypto are either traveling internationally or work inside of a global workforce now. 
you know, you have to start maintaining uh, security for yourself. And so a couple of the things that, that are, are useful to set up is one account alerts, right? You know, so, and, and this is easily manageable by a corporate account, but if you have a personal account, what you do is you pick, if you have more than one phone in your account, you make sure that the carrier is sending you a notification anytime any change to any plan, phone, device, or service is made on that account because you can manage that. The second thing is is that you should have email notifications set up for all of this. The third thing, and, and uh, you know, it's not necessarily a green thing, but is an audit trail. And you should maintain, regardless as much as they want to push you to to digital billing, you should ask for the paper bills because at the end of the day, if weird things happen, if there's a weird, you know, if, if you have an audit trail that's physically printed out and presented to you by these companies, because the, the latter part of the problem is they're not keeping, you know, five years worth of bill history anymore. If you end up in one of these scenarios and you end up switching carriers, they might only keep three months, six months of your bill history. And this could have happened nine months ago. And you may end up in a court case with them and they, you know, it's going to be painful for, for, their, for a subpoena to be served to force them to go and get the data. Um, and then the last thing I would say is, is that you need to start coming up with protocols for yourself. You know, the, the same way I kept saying 1850s um, tech and 1850s banking before, when you hold crypto, you are effectually your own bank, Okay. And that's what every single person, whether they are a person or a corporation, a family office, a hedge fund needs to understand. If you have a wallet and that wallet has your entire funds crypto on it, and that crypto is not held in a safe deposit box in either an offshore location or a secure facility, you got some challenges. If you don't have a cold custody solution, if you own more than a million dollars of crypto, you have a problem. If you keep all of your stuff inside of a hot wallet on an exchange, how many exchanges went down in the past week? Just went down. Many. Two. Was Cryptopia one of them? I think so. I have to double. I mean, I got hacked. Well, I mean, but I'm saying when I say went, so one actually went out of business, one got hacked. So, you know, what, what you're dealing with is this consistent challenge. And, and there's an article I can bump to you guys that, um, you know, on average, there's, there's about 2.5 million that's estimated to be hacked from exchanges on a monthly basis. And listen, I've worked with AlphaPoint previously. I've, I've worked on building some of this technology. When you work in financial services, you're dealing with a high level of scrutiny and a reasonable degree of security. When you work in crypto world, you got to remember something. A lot of the people that built these exchanges have never had to work in financial services. So they're not used to data feeds. They're not used to high time availability. Like, do you, you remember when Kraken would be like, um, sorry, guys, we've got to go out, out of service for like three days for maintenance. Or they'd be like, it was like an hour, and, but they'd be down for like, like four days. It's because they're not, they're not designed to do this. You know, so I guess the last thing is that, you know, if you're managing your crypto in a sensible way, you should be looking at this from the perspective of being on some sort of industry standard exchange. Now, whether that's Coinbase is getting there, Gemini is good, GBX is good, Poloniex is good. I want to actually say though this before you before you move on on that. So the uh, the, the crypto security company out of Ukraine, Hacken, mm-hmm. uh, they actually have done an extensive you know research on which uh, which exchanges are the most secure. 
and they they ranked uh, Kraken as number one, actually. No, you know, Kraken has spent all Kraken spent all the money. Mm-hmm. Okay, I I don't have any, anything on Kraken anymore because mm-hmm. the the downtime issues were killing us, and that was something that I was doing for a corporate project. But you know, I've I've opened accounts with a lot of different exchanges for either myself or our fund or you know an ICO I was working with, and I got to tell you that the smartest way to maintain a lot of this stuff is you know offshore in a bank in a uh in a, a hard wallet that's stored in a safety deposit box inside of a facility that has a, a ton of insurance on it and if you need quick access to the stuff then use a cold storage solution and i'll tell you what's really weird is that there's a couple of sec uh like i just met with uh, with uh, eli ansari and he's um he's i'm speaking with him at a conference in, in dc this weekend but he's uh He's putting up a, a security token exchange, and he was telling me that they're they're certified as an SEC custodian, but they don't want to do it because of the hack risk. Because when people find out you're a custodian, they come after you, and you know it's 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 low hanging fruit in hackers' minds because the amount of effort that they're putting out to to get your crypto is just whatever it would take that you know it used to take someone to dig through a wall and break into a bank, right? You're scaring me, Mr. Oz Sultan. Like, I think the safest way to deal with your crypto is just to get out now. <laughs> no, the safest way is have a hard wallet, have a soft wallet or hot wallet solution for the stuff you trade or quick access to it. You know, use a couple different exchanges, uh, but but don't marry everything to one device. You know, I mean, instead of spending $1,200 on a stupid iPhone, go and get yourself an iPhone 7 and uh, a Samsung device that's one generation back. It's not about having the latest and greatest. It's about actually thinking about yourself from a perspective of security and maintenance and management of the fact that you yourself are operating as a bank if you're cryptoized. That's it. Stupid iPhone. <laughs> it's $1,200 for an iPhone. You know, is it, it, It's not tenable for a lot of people, and, and it looks like the last iPhone, and who are you impressing with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Are you impressing that girl on Tinder? Because that's about all you're impressing. <laughs> she wasn't impressed. A, not at all. No. I, I have a question then about, you know, like the new Siren Labs phone and how, you know, Samsung is now, is now coming out with the blockchain phones and some of these other Android devices are, are popping up with, with Android. Also, we've talked with Rivets, who is mm-hmm. actually doing some really cool stuff with, uh, you know, keeping the phone secure. So I love them. Those guys yeah. are awesome. Yeah, so what's up? What's up with that? You know, is that where we're heading? Are we all headed towards, you know, having a blockchain phone where we could conceivably be walking around with thousands and thousands of crypto dollars in our on our phone? I mean, that seems. Oh, kind it's of it's it's even it's even better than that. We're about to move into the phone wars again. So you guys remember the old Nokia's, right? And then yes. when it went from Nokia to iPhone, mm-hmm. and there was kind of a phone war going on back then. And you remember when Samsung came up, and there was an iPhone Samsung phone war. We're about to enter a full out 2020s phone war, and it's going to be crazy. Ooh. And there's 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 four segments. Okay, on the high end, it's crypto people with their their blockchain phones. And what you really want is you want a phone that actually is being developed by someone who works with a cybersecurity company, because I'll tell you this: like Samsung, Samsung's interesting, but their near field, uh, their their near field or their NFC stuff is all hackable. Mm-hmm. Samsung Pay is hackable. I mean, all this stuff is is easily hackable because 
they're rushing to get stuff to market and they're building really shitty SDKs. That's what, what happens. And if someone else goes and opens up the SDK, they're like, oh my God, I can just like, like literally through Bluetooth query phones that are like within 30 feet of me, you know, mm. like you should be able to do these things. So on the top end of this, you've got Finney um, and by, you know, Siren Labs Finney plus a, a couple other phones are going to come out, um, I think are, are going to be your gold standard in terms of the telecom answer to how we manage our crypto. But again, mm-hmm. don't keep everything on there. It's, it's just kind of like this. I remember when I, <laughs> I, I, I live in the hood, but I used to live like more in the hood. And I just remember that this, this one dude who lived behind my house, because uh, there, uh, there was a couple of drug dealers that like, used to hang out back there, they had gotten some sort of settlement and was walking around with $30,000 in cash, okay? And I was like, you need to open a bank account and you need to put all that cash in there because what you're doing is idiotic. Like flashing $30,000 at people will get you robbed, you know? And, and effectively, that's what you're doing if you're keeping all your crypto on one device. So on the, the, the top tier of things, I would say it's, it's, it's these crypto phones. The next tier of things, I would say, are the mass market crypto phones, which are going to be stuff from Samsung. Apple will probably enter the space now that they aren't making a self-driving car anymore. You know, and other players will enter the space. Underneath that, you're going to have, you know, more securitized uh, traditional phones that are going to have um, soft, you know, v- VPN technology and other technology on them. Um, but then the the two other sort of neat things that are that are kind of coming into play is that the foldable phones are here. Like, so the then you know the flip phone is coming back inside of like three months, and I don't know what that looks like yet. It but, looks like a flip phone. We actually just covered that on Bad News, and you can see a video uh, of what that looks like. It's the, I need to, I need to check that out. Roller razor. We covered that on the Bad Boys of Tech, Mister Jolcom. Oh, that's right. Wrong show. Wrong podcast. <laughs> But you know, so the, the, but the, you actually have foldable screens, okay? And we don't know what kind of security technology is going to be built into these things because you're talking about not just a foldable screen, but you're talking about a phone that has multiple processors in it. Now it's a laptop. And then I think the the last the last leg of this is going to be you know they dropped a couple of satellites that are now connected to the blockchain, so you can do transactions anywhere off chain and connect back to the chain through satellite technology. And I think that's the last, the last one of this is digital divide. Um, and the same way that the Arab Spring was broadcast through Twitter, largely through SMS, right, by using the SMS gateway for Twitter, that you're going to have simple phones and dumb phones. You know, there's a company in England called Ananas that uh, the founder's sister has another blockchain company. I forget the name now, but Ananas was like basically taking the Quran, you know, the, the Muslim holy book and take, allowing people to put different, you know, uh, schools of thought or basically belief processes on the blockchain and explain it and, and, and defend it. So like imagine all the process, uh, like imagine if there was like a Bible blockchain and all the Protestants and all the Catholics of different veins and denominations were able to put that on the blockchain for future reference. That's what they're doing for Muslims. But his sister is building a refugee phone. And the refugee phone has a blockchain attached to it that allows for identity and basic transfers. And that's where I think the big money is going to go. Uh, it's going to go on the top. It's there and the top end. Like people are going to be throwing crazy amounts of money at crypto phones once it goes mainstream. And, and the mainstreaming of this is 
when companies like Avery and Ambro figure out that, you know, they shouldn't have to hold your private keys for custody. And when Santander Bank and some of the other banks that are using Ripple take advantage of Pennsylvania's new new laws. So Pennsylvania just basically said that if you want to be a crypto exchange, uh, or not a crypto exchange, but if you want to be like a crypto ATM, you don't need a wire transfer license. And so all banks and Western Union and that type of thing have this really expensive wire transfer license. So what that means is that we're pretty much about, in my mind, 18 months away from mass adoption of crypto by going being like you have a bank app that's like your Chase app, you know, where you can go in or here in this case, the Santander app where you could go in and you can convert dollars to XRP and XRP to Bitcoin or something else and then, you know, spend it wherever you want to go. Well, that would be good because then you don't necessarily have to walk around with $100,000 worth of crypto in your pocket. Bingo, you know, and, and that, that's, that's where I so think that's the ba- those are the banks of the future then are the custodians for our crypto keys. Sort of. Well, I honestly would say the custodians for crypto exchange. I mean, I, you know, looking at how banks have gotten themselves hacked uh, over the past couple of years, I would say right. that, you know, a bank is an idiotic person to give your private keys to. Um, specifically AB and Ambro thinking that they can maintain that as secure as they want to. The longer term of this is we're going to end up with a diversity of solutions for different people. Uh, but I, I, I will say that, you know, the, the coming phone wars, the, the fact that you're going to be dealing with all these different security paradigms, you know, this is kind of like just a really interesting future ahead of us. Um, as fast as technology moved in the 80s, in the late 90s, you know, you didn't feel it that fast in 2008. I mean, I remember when I was like a little kid and, you know, we, we went from like this monstrous, my dad was a, my dad was a coal and steel guy, right? And so we had access to kind of like weird technology ahead of time. But I remember the first portable computer he brought home was about 45, 50 pounds. And it was like, a, it was like a, a gaming desktop that had a screen in it two disk drives and a keyboard that clipped onto it with a handle, you know, and inside of like five years, we went from that thing to the first 386 laptop to the first 486 laptop. That kind of technology shift is happening now with everything from computing and phones and consumer technology. But at the same time, we're getting that bump of the first internet wave inside of, you know, this, I call this wave three or wave four. I don't think we have a good name for it, but it's we're getting high speed phone systems in terms of 5G. We're getting the the terabit network in terms of internet two, which deploys by 2022. And, you know, we're, we're moving well advanced from the capabilities of what technology could do before. And lastly, I think that there's going to be a big break in terms of social technology. People are exhausted, you know, not everything has to be documented. I mean, there was a period of time where I would I would post every dish I ate, and I even got tired of myself, you know. So uh, there's there's going to be a big radical shift, and and all of these things kind of coming together are going to culminate in new ways of people processing things, new ways of money being spent, but maybe crypto becoming a little bit more mainstream than it is now. Mr. Oz Sultan, you are just full of information, and as always, we appreciate you. And where can people go to learn more about what you are up to? 
Um, if you need cyber or crypto or ICO help, um, come to sultaninteractivegroup.com and you can email me, Oz, at sultaninteractivegroup.com. My Twitter is uh, Oz Sultan, and that's generally where I'm posting everything. And I should mention that um, I'm, we're, we are building a crypto compliance consortium that I think I'm going to ask you guys to join, um, but we're partnered with Data. And data is the the folks that are working with Wyoming to you know write the first bill that call, considers crypto a currency, meaning that all of a sudden you know we can start treating it differently and it changes. But we're also partnered with the DTLC, and that's Manny Alejandro's group, um, and they're the ones that you know. It's on my Twitter. Uh, there's there's an announcement that they made today that uh, Tim Bud, or I think his name's Tim Bud. Um, he's a Republican rep from North Carolina is pushing kind of a, a tax bill on crypto and they're, they're endorsing that. So a lot of the stuff, I guess you could see me in is on Twitter and then we'll probably have a kind of a more centralized place for my stuff soon. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, it's just, I, I don't know. I kind of like, I, I'm like really excited about the future and uh, just the opportunities. And, you know, it's like, look, I live in Harlem. And one of the things I'm trying to do is figure out how we bring all this tech education here. Because, you know, Travis, I mean, you're in KC, okay? It's white kids, black kids, brown kids, doesn't matter what color mm-hmm. the kids are. Mm-hmm. We've, we've got these digital divides. And if we can jump through these things with the stuff we're working on, we're building this brand new America that's really exciting. Very true. I, I want to follow that up here real quick, because we were talking about a lot of interesting things on this on this call. One of which is, is security, and you're you're known for cybersecurity and, and crypto. Now, one of the companies that we've that we've done research on, you know, is Zappo X A P O. They they claim that they're one of the world's most secure Bitcoin wallets. It's like a vault, and it's like the keys are in multiple places. And that is that is that where you think that that kind of stuff maybe banks might get into and become the bank of the future. What what does the bank of the future look like to you? Um, so Zappo does something called sharding, um, which I guess some of Joel our, does that too, but we normally edit that out of the it, show. It leads to so many puns when you shard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm not sure if I really want to go down this path, but, um, but so what, what you're talking about is, is a lot of these things are, are using sharding or distributed technologies to store stuff in multiple places. Cause the idea is that even if someone were to put a gun to your head, they can't get anything unless you know, you're physically in a place where, you, I mean, they'd have to like walk you into the bank. It'd have to be like, uh, like some French movie, um, you know, where someone's walking someone at the bank and makes them rob the bank. So it's just the likelihood of it happening is very low. Um, Why does it have to be French? Oh, I don't know, man. It's just that there's always like a good action chase scene afterwards. Oh, okay. You know, the last time we did that was Ronin, right? If you say so. <laughs> All right. On that note, go check out Oz's stuff. And as always, you are the wizard of Oz, the Sultan of Swing. Thank you, guys. We love Oz, don't we? And he the best. You know what? I mean, it's it's amazing that guy's brain. You know, it's like even when we have conversation with him offline, which we do regularly, like he just routinely just blows our mind and how quickly he's able to connect dots to things and how well connected that he is. and. I mean, how often do you meet a Muslim from Brooklyn who is a, a conservative and Trump supporter? That's just, it's just, it just blows your mind. It's like, I don't care if you like Trump or not. That's just, that's just, he's just an interesting, strange guy. You know? Yeah, it's like, he it's is crazy. 
right. and and super smart. And uh, my understanding is Oz might be starting a podcast of his own soon, and mm-hmm. so we'll we'll keep you guys posted on that. And uh, how you guys doing? Yeah, this you're you are now entering the banter portion. There's nothing on my mind at not right now. You know, actually, a little bit on my mind. Uh, it's kind of exciting because last night I watched the NFL honors. Today is the day of the Super Bowls when we're recording this. Uh, this right here, and uh, my quarterback won the MVP and the Offensive Player of the Year, which was awesome. And two of the players from my team got inducted to the Hall of Fame. We had uh, Tony Gonzalez, which is the best tight end ever. Actually, had the second most receptions of any. Uh, receiver or tight end in the history, and uh, Johnny Robinson, who was a, a cornerback in the um, in the very first a couple Super Bowls that the Chiefs were in in nineteen in the very first Super Bowl and the fourth Super Bowl. So he's been eligible for fifty years, and uh, he finally got into the. Uh, it was really cool, man. It was, it was it's really wa- awesome watching Patrick Mahomes uh, interviewed because he's so humble. I've never seen such a kid who's so hum- who's so great already, but he just always deflects it off of him he's like it's my team it's my players out there i just we call you know the coach calls the plays and my players just go out there just making great plays and it's like it's just wow this kid is so humble and like it's just it's just refreshing mr jocom that's excellent well congratulations to mahomes and uh kansas city for that so let's see this show is actually airing two days after the super bowl so let's go ahead and get your prediction mr travis right who's going to win and by how many Mm. So who's going to win uh, is probably the Patriots because I hate them. Mm-hmm. Like their fans are the worst. Like we, you've <laughs> talked about this before. We know oh by how many uh, points. Uh, you know, it's probably going to be one of those games that it's like you know thirty-one to twenty-eight or something. They're always close. There's always just like one play. It seems like every time the Patriots have been in a Super Bowl, it comes down to one score, one play. Like they could win or lose every single Super Bowl they've ever been in. And I, I really like to see the Rams win. But it'll probably be the Patriots. 28 okay. to 31. Okay. And ask me what I think. What do you think? You don't care. I, I think I don't care. You're not even going <laughs> to watch it, are you? Uh, I might watch it. I mean, they've here in my building, they're throwing a party, and they've got a number of big screens and TVs, mm-hmm. and people will be gathering. So there'll probably be food and, you know, yeah. and maybe wine. And so uh, yeah. I, I might gravitate. And, you know, I, 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 the other bet we should take is – um, who's going to have the commercial that's going to have everybody talking or offended or, you know, up in arms, right? Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting is that I posted on my Facebook about the new Jeep commercial that's coming out. It's very patriotic and it, it, it actually is, sings the national anthem. And I found it very, I found it very, you know, it was like a nice little sort of like, oh my gosh, what a touching commercial. But I was like thinking like, oh, this is going to piss off some super leftist people. You can tell that like maybe that's going to be the one. Like in the last couple of years, the Jeep has had a commercial that's like pissed people off. Uh, wait, don't, no, we're not, not getting all political, Mr. Travis, right? You know what happens when you do that. Okay, well, I'm just saying. I mean, people get offended a lot. That's not a, don't, that's a fact. Don't hurt my fifis. <laughs> don't hurt my fifis. Well, as we wind up the show here, staying true to the uh, spirit of football, uh, you guys should all be like the Arizona Cardinals, who went 3-13 and this year, and stay bad. Who's <laughs> <laughs> bad? 
Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of bitcoins and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.